welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Thought we would do something different because we can. And uh, when they said that that was the song they were going to sing, I was looking at the words, and I love that line that says. Um, I love to hear you say, who I am is quite enough. And when you think about what we as significant women stand for, I think it wraps it up. We um, often say that the purpose or the ethos or the reason why significant women exist, it's not because you know what, we're bored and we've got nothing to do. It's because we understand that, you know what, there's a... There's another voice out there that often is louder in our ears and uh, the reflection in the mirror, which again was referred to the song, just that tells us exactly the opposite of what really is happening. And significant woman really exists so that women would be comfortable with who they are. Just, you know what, this is who I am and actually not only is God very pleased, but I actually like myself. And that women would be confident in what they're doing. You know what, this is what I'm good at. This is what I've been purposed and designed and just works for me. And we just want to see women released into that. So when the girl said about this song, I just said, hey, no, I think that would be great. So what we've been doing, if you're new on our journey here, we've just been going through different women in the Bible and just pulling them out, not literally, but just grabbing, grabbing a girl and then just looking at her life and not to can be condemned or just say, look, again, I don't measure up. But just to look at her life and go, you know what, she's just a girl like me. She's just a girl like you. And here's where she got it right. Here's where she's got it wrong. And how can we learn from that? So we've looked at um, Rahab. We looked at Tamar. We've looked at Rebecca. We looked at Sarah. And tonight I want to look at another woman. And I want to look at Mary Magdalene. Now, you may remember sometimes, you know, some of the women we've talked about, some of the introductions have been rather dubious. So uh, you may have remembered when we met Rahab, she was introduced to us as not just Rahab, but Rahab the harlot. And then last uh, time we met, we spoke about Sarah. And we said, again, when we're introduced to Sarah, it's not just Sarah, it's Sarah who is barren. And I think it was when we were talking about Sarah, I said, you know what, I've been introduced as Tony's wife. I've been introduced as Mitchie's mum. I've been introduced as Barb's daughter. But I would hate to be introduced as a harlot, which I'm not, so I couldn't be. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Think of your negative, you know. Oh, here's Kath who's always whinging. Or here's Kath who's got seven toes. Or whatever your deep secret <laughs> is. So I don't really think, I mean, you know, I don't think it's a title that I'd be fond of, Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons. <laughs> and so um, the re- I just thought just a little bit of a background as to why, because I, I believe there's two reasons why, because when you're introduced, that is how we learn of it. And even um, there's no sort of little topic where you can pull something out and say, here's a little passage just on Mary. She just weaved in and out of the New Testament and, and, and in the Gospels. But most of the time when she's introduced, it's Mary Magdalene, of who their seven demons came from. And I believe the Bible does it for two reasons. One is 
um, just as a distinguishing fact, because I don't know, there's something about Mary. I mean, there's Mary, mother of Jesus. There's Mary, mother of Joseph. Uh, uh, there's um, Mary and Martha. I mean, there's lots of Marys. So I think that's one reason. It's like, how do we? Dis- I mean, how do we distinguish her? Mary. I would have just stuck with Mary Magdalene. But hey, the Bible said Mary Magdalene, of which she had seven demons. But the second reason I believe that we introduced to her that way is because every time people came in contact with her, every time they saw her, her life became a testimony of the goodness and the power of God because she was Mary Magdalene who had seven demons and she obviously wasn't anymore. And that's what we want to look at tonight because I think I'm in, a, in good company tonight. It's like, you know what, if there's one thing... Uh, heart's desire I could have it's it's, Lord you know what I want a life that glorifies you it doesn't have to be you know we think of that in certain terms it's got to be this or it's got to be that it's like you know I don't really care the outworking of it as long as you're pleased with how my life pans out and in how it brings honour and glory to you and I think I'm in a room full of women who possibly feel the same way is that right? no it's like come on do you believe it or not? like I want to be you know what God anything I do whatever my hand touches I find to do God I just want it to bring glory to you I want people to look and go hey you know what I see Jesus the way she does that they might not be able to articulate that or understand it but there's something about me that's different and that difference brings glory to God so that's what I want to quickly look at tonight I just want to just some lessons from Mary's life just some things that I saw in just reading and again I say every time this is not exhaustive this study this is just when I was looking through it and we as a team thought you know what it's coming up to Easter that that's why the hot cross buns and and the song, and we just saw, you know, Mary Magdalene's a good example when we talk about just the redemptive work of Jesus. And so I just want to, it's not an exhaustive study, it's things that stood out to me. And I just want to encourage you, every woman we go through, go do your own study. Go look and say, what, is, what, what speaks to you? Because, like I said, I've just got a few points. There's hundreds more, I'm sure. But these are just some of the ones I think we could just work on tonight, have a look at tonight. So the first thing that speaks uh, the first thing that stands out to me is that Mary was delivered. You see, when I look at that, I think Mary's life wasn't just reformed, it was transformed. See, reform by definition means to improve by alteration, whereas transformed means to alter in form and function. See, Mary didn't stay how she was. Now, we don't know much about Mary before. We just know Mary from whom seven demons was delivered. But we seem to read a lot about what Mary became and where she was, and we'll pick up some of those points. So it seems to me that Mary didn't become Mary with seven demons and Jesus. She became Mary. I mean, they probably could have said Mary who's with Jesus, but then she'd be like Mary, mother of Jesus, and the distinction's gone. So she became... um, Transformed. It wasn't just, you know what, I'm just going to add Jesus to where I'm already at. That would be like reform, making an alteration. You know, I'll just adjust a few things. So Mary's life was totally transformed. Her form and function was completely different after an encounter with Jesus than what it was beforehand. And I just think, you know what, girls, we need to be delivered. Now, we, some of us go, I don't have any demons in me. My husband says every time I go to a Tupperware party that I had come home with a Tupperware demon. But, (laughs) so I have to throw the joke in because that loosens you up because as soon as you mention demons, everyone goes, oh God. But you know what? We need to be delivered, girls, because sometimes we're just full of stuff. Stuff that's not God's stuff and stuff that God doesn't want us to have. See, I don't know if you were here last Sunday night. Pete's been doing this series about War of the World Views. 
And one of the comments he says, you know, sometimes the church gets labelled badly because, you know, it's not the placard of against um, abortion or the placard against homosexuality and all these things. It's like, you know what, the church loves those people who are stuck in that way. It's not the people, it's the actions that we're going to say, actually, you know what, when you have an encounter with Jesus, that lifestyle has to change if you've had the encounter with Jesus. And I, he made the comment that, you know, sometimes we have people who come to victory who live together. They're not married, they live together, but you know what, they, don't, they haven't had that encounter with Jesus yet. So we don't, they don't come in the door and we, re, we realise or hear, you know what, they're living together. It's like, actually, you know what? We accept them, they come in, but once they have that encounter with Jesus, and that's what Pete was saying, then the appointment comes. Actually, you know what? You've had that encounter with Jesus. Have you? This is what Jesus says. You should get married, or you should do this, or if you're not wanting to get married, make it, you know what I'm saying? And so we've got to have this reformation rather than just, you know what, I'm just, um, sorry, a transformation rather than a reformation. Don't just reform, apply the makeup, just cover things up. Just, you know what, totally changing form and function. What I used to do, what I could get away with, I've met Jesus now and he's totally changed me. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it's what God requires of us. Romans 3.28 in the message, it says, What we have learned is this. God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. It's not about us trying. Now I'm going to try. I'm going to, you know. And like I said, Mary, we're not introduced to Mary as Mary who has seven demons. We're introduced to Mary who had seven demons. The the concept there that means that has changed. She has had transformation. Again, like I said, we don't know much of what happened before. But we know, we've read stories of um, Legion and the de- demoniac and people who were actually uh, demon-possessed. And the demoniac, the one he said he lived in the tombs, he was naked. They, could, they had to tie him up with chains and he couldn't. He was, imagine life. We can't just read the Bible and go, okay. I mean, he lived amongst the tombs. It's like living in a graveyard. He was a social outcast. He wasn't, he didn't have family around him or friends. He wasn't in his right mind. This is his life. So you've got to say, okay, you know what, it doesn't say that about Mary, but if Mary was a woman with demons, then we've got to assume that that was kind of Mary's background. So that's where she came from. And yet when Jesus comes, it says once he came and she had transformation, that was totally changed. And I just think it's the difference between a remodel and a total rebuild. You know, if you ever think, you know, Tony and I right now, we're looking at our house and going, you know what, we'd love to, we entertain two nights at least a week. And summer, it's easy because we've got a great outdoor area we can enter, but winter comes and it's like our table sits six. So it's really hard to put 12 people. So, you know, the kids are like, we eat in shifts and things like that. So we've been looking going, you know, is there any way we can just make space? And so you're talking remodeling. Can we move this wall? Can we do that? You know, and I'm looking at it going, you know what? I think we just need a knockdown and start again. And sometimes I think that's what God wants to do in our lives. Where to, we know what we go, but I like this because if I be honest with you, I actually, I like where we live. If I could just push my walls out just a little bit, I'd be quite happy. And that's a good picture of sometimes how we do life. I like what's in here. And I just thought if I could just push a few walls out, keep what I've got, 
and then ask Jesus to come and be part of that. And God's going, no, you know what? No, I don't want to come and be part of that. I think we need to smash some of those walls down because I'm wanting to do something totally and uh, completely different in your life. I think we've got to stop rendering the front, stop adding things to our lives in the hope that that's the answer. Some of us have just got to go, you know what? I've been doing this and I've been doing this and I've been doing that. And then going, why is it not working for me, God? Why am I not feeling? Why is my life feeling like I don't glorify you? Why am I struggling in this area? What, what's going on? And God's going, it's because you're just rendering the front. It's time to tear some things down. We need to get honest with ourselves. We need to have a look and go, you know what? That's unhelpful to me. That root of bitterness or whatever it is in my life, that's unhelpful. That's what God's wanting to do. He's saying, I want to deliver you from that area and so we need to be transformed and not reformed deliver by definition means to hand over so we're just so it's not some spooky scary thing you say deliver and everyone goes no it's to hand over some of us are control freaks by nature god's going you know what i just want you to hand it over just go you know okay god again like that scripture it's not what me responding to what uh, God not responding to what I want him to do it's about me responding to what God wants to do we're just going to have to hand over the controls maybe some of us have to hand over the hurt the anger the disappointment the resentment the bitterness the fear whatever it is that pops into your mind right now talking about deliver God deliver me from that which is holding me back deliver me from the things that I'm just trying to add you to rather than remove so that we can go forward It can't be done in your own strength. You need to ask God to help you and trust that he'll do it. Romans 4.18 in the message, and it's talking about in the context of Abraham, he says, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, oh, but I can't get rid of the anger. I can't get rid of the bitterness. I really am hurt by that. Not by what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do we need to be honest deal with it and just say god deliver me from this thing that's crippling me this thing that is holding me back deliver me if you want to be a girl whose life brings honor and glory to god we need to be like mary and some of us if not all of us have to be delivered from something all right secondly the thing that uh, speaks to me about mary's life is she was devoted you know mary was the first person that Jesus revealed himself to after he was resurrected in John chapter 18. So anyone who's got an issue with women preachers, then you've got an issue with Jesus because the first woman preacher right then, God, Jesus reveals himself to Mary and says, go tell the disciples. Mary was devoted. I think most of Jesus' disciples, when you read the accounts of them, there's John who often he says, you know, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And often when they're talking about him, he's saying John reclining at the table, he's resting his head on Jesus' chest. A lot of the other disciples in different accounts that you read, if they wanted to ask Jesus something, they asked John to ask him. It's kind of like, well, I can't ask him, but you're the one he likes and you've got a good one. You ask him. And so it seems that Jesus struggled. Where, where a lot of the disciples kind of kept their distance Mary was one that just couldn't stay away it says that when Jesus revealed in in, um, John 17 John 20 sorry verse 17 says that when he actually came out and said Mary it's me when he revealed himself to Mary it says that Jesus said to her do not cling to me 
So when she had the revelation, hey, that's not the gardener here who's talking to me. This is my Lord. Because she was looking for Jesus' body. She, and she sees Jesus and she says, Sir, tell me where they've put it. I've come to anoint his body. And then he talks to her and then he just says, Mary, in a way that she recognizes. Her eyes are open and she realizes, no, this is Jesus here. And she, the Bible says she, she clings to him. She won't let him go. And he says, don't cling to me, Mary. Mary lived a life of devotion. And I believe that if we want to be girls who bring glory to God and whatever we do, we've got to be devoted. And again, devotion, sometimes they're, they're old like deliverance, devotion. They're old words, but just because they're old words doesn't mean that they're irrelevant. We've just got to bring them into our context and see if we understand what they really are, we won't be so freaked out by them or so, you know, just put off just by the very mention of the names. So we should, imi- we should seek to imitate Mary's deep love for Christ. It should be seen in our prayer time. The way we- and you know what? Prayer simply is talking to God. And can I say this? It's not always about, oh, can I have this? Can I have this? It's not, we don't come to God with a shopping list. Here it is. I mean, I go to the shops with a shopping list because if I don't, I'll either forget something or I'll buy something I don't need. So it's like if it's not on the list, it doesn't go on my trolley. And some of us approach God like that. Here's my list, and this is what he wants, and this is what I want. And do you know what? If we did our relationships that way, how healthy do you think that'd be? So you've got to ask yourself, if you're married here tonight, if I did my marriage with the same devotion to my husband as I gave to God in prayer, what would my marriage be looking like? Or maybe just if you're single here, your girlfriends or your parents, whatever it is, just think of a relational aspect and say, you know what? If I spent the same amount of time just being with that person as I did with just being with God, what would that relationship look like? So we're talking about being devoted. We'll see it in our prayer life. We'll see it in our attendance whether that be at meetings like this or church. And again, you can say these things and people go, oh, they're just trying to get it. You know what? It's not about you have to. It's about, I understand, Mary understood what Jesus did for her. She was Mary who had seven demons. Mary who does now not have seven demons. I want to be with Jesus. I am clinging to him. I'm devoted because I understand what he's done. And you know what? He's done exactly the same for you. You may not be, well, I didn't have seven demons. It doesn't matter. He's done exactly the same for you. He made a way for you to come and be with the Father. So we'll see it in our attendance. And again, it's not about, well, because I'm going to church, God, I have to. Can I tell you, our kids, 12, 10, 4. Every day, Bailey wakes up. Is it church today? It's like, feels like that way, honey. (laughs) No, not for you. No, Sunday is church. And if we are on holidays... Tony and I personally don't come to Victory because it would be work for us rather than being on holidays, but our kids won't go anywhere else. It's like, what do you mean? We say to them, hey, we're going to go check out another church for being on holidays. Our kids are like, no, we're going to Victory. You will drop us off or you will take us to granddads and granddads will take us. You know what I mean? And so you can say, well, you've brainwashed them. It's like, no, it's a manifestation and outpouring of a devotion in their life. It's in their uh, capacity, but it's still a devotion. And we kind of get a bit too cool for school as we get older and think, well, and I've got it all together. So you know what? Let's just be devoted. See it in our attendance. I come to church on a Sunday, cause, not because I'm the pastor's wife. I come because I'm a daughter of the king and there's no better place to be on a Sunday. I come to significant women, not because I'm leading it, but because I believe in the things I said about I want women to be released into their full potential. I believe even if I wasn't leading it, I would be here because I want to be released in my full potential. I believe I'm going to receive something by being here. I believe I have the opportunity to give something by being here. It's not a, I'll see how I go if there's no better offer. It's like I'm there because it's part of my devotion. You'll see it in your attendance. You'll see it in your service. 
Again, volunteers, we should be, as a church, and in, women in this room, we should have a plethora of volunteerism. Of where we're saying, please don't, we don't need any more volunteers. Please go away, leave us alone, stop harassing us. Not because you must, but because you're the least I can do. I dev- this, what this king has done for me, see, we'll see it in our service, we'll see it in our generosity, not only just in finance, but our generosity in our time. And you know what, I'm going to give my time here investing in people. What about in generosity and encouragement? You know, just actually saying something nice to someone. How about just saying something? You know, it amazes me because it's not my issue, I suppose. But when you, when you meet with some girls, how some women tell me how they struggle to come to a meeting like this. They said, just walking through those doors is a nightmare. And I'm like, Really? But for them, it's, it's a nightmare just to walk into a room of women because maybe, you know, and I'm like, but you know, so and so and so and so and so. But for them, the actual walking in to that. And now for us who find that easy, you know, we should be on the lookout. There's new people here tonight. I'd like to think that they met somebody new tonight. Now, it's part of our job to introduce and, and get people. But you know what? As again, a daughter of the king, understanding we're part of my devotion, I want to meet people. I want to know what the great things about you. And I think I did it on my Facebook post tonight. I said, I love doing life with lifelong friends. And I'm looking forward tonight to meeting some more on the journey. It's like my friendship base just grows. Now, I know there's different intimacy levels. You can't be the best friend with everyone. But, hey, we can be friends. Someone, there shouldn't be anybody in this room tonight who doesn't have friends. And if you are here, then you're in the right place. Because I'm trusting we've got a group full of women who love you, they care for you, and they want to do life with you. So we'll see it in our generosity, in our finance, our time, our resources, our encouragement. Let's be like Mary in our devotion, and our lives will bring glory to God. The third thing, just in looking at Mary's life, is Mary was daring. You know, the Jewish culture did not allow women to study the law with a rabbi. The law being just the uh, Jewish law, the Christian Christianity, let's say. Jesus encouraged women to sit at his feet and learn from him. Mary was daring enough to do it. You've got to look at it and say, you know what, they didn't encourage it, which means if they didn't encourage it, they actively discouraged it. In fact, they were very nasty, very rude, and women were very much the lowest of lows. And yet Mary was daring enough to sit at the feet of Jesus. It's recorded several times. And you've got to understand, because if you've read certain things and seen certain things, that when you are daring enough to do that, you invite opposition. I mean, you would have heard, like, there's all these, um, what are they called, theories or uh, conspiracies, you know, like Mary was a secret lover of Jesus and all this sort of stuff. And she put herself in a position to be ridiculed, to be abused, to be mistreated. Why? Because she was daring. She said, you know what, after all he's done for me, it's the least I can do. And I just think, you know what, girls, we've got to be daring. We were this, The opportunities in this world and the way things are going are ripe. It just takes a daring bunch of women to go, you know what, I'll have a go, I'll do it. Um, listen to how well she was daring. When all the other disciples had deserted him, remember there's a garden of Gethsemane, they arrest Jesus, the disciples fled. It says, Mary was at the cross, Mark fifteen forty. Now some women were there also looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene. She was at the tomb, Mark fifteen forty seven. And Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of uh, Jose were observing where he was laid. She's daring. The other disciples aren't there. They knew where Jesus was laid. Why? Mary. Mary was at the cross. Mary was at the tomb. Mary was going on the first day of the week to anoint 
Jesus' body. They had traditions. It didn't happen because of the Passover. They put Jesus in a tomb. Mary was going back there in uh, Mark 16 verse 1 when the Sabbath was passed. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, purchased sweet-smelling spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. To live a life that glorifies God, we just need to be daring. If you remember anything tonight, remember this. It's time to take a risk. It's time to just get over ourselves and go, you know what? It's not about how I appear. It's not about uh, what people might think of me. It's not about, oh, what if I come off looking like a fool? It's just time to take a risk. Some of us need to reach out. There are opportunities galore in our schools, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our kindies, wherever we find ourselves. Some of us just actually have to reach out. Some of us have to speak up. Oh, I could have said something, but I didn't. It's like, come on, Mary's a daring. Just going, you know, what have I got to lose? So they laugh at you. Well, they're not going to start a rumour like you were sleeping with Jesus. That's a bit, I think that's a bit worse than just laughing at you. I mean, come on. Some of us are going to have to help out. I love Joyce Meyer. She says this, step up and find out. It's a philosophy for life. Just step up and find out. You don't know what's in you until you step up and find out. We need to be daring. And again, it's different levels for different people. On our, um, I don't think it's anymore, but one uh, one of our tithe envelopes used to have different amount but equal sacrifice so in other words because it's a percentage it's like whatever the uh, it's the same percent but it will be a different amount but it's an equal sacrifice to everyone and I believe that's the same in terms of this daring you can look at someone and think but I could never do that God might not be asking you to do that but he might just be saying extend friendship to the lady who looks lonely who's struggling as a single mother in the school that you could maybe just come alongside and help the young girl who's struggling with her homework, maybe you could just come alongside. The, the girl who um, has been abandoned, doesn't have parents or whatever. He's not asking, so don't look at everyone else and go, well, I could never do that or I could never do that. It's not about that. Daring's about what is it you can do and step out in that area. All right? So it's different levels for different uh, people. Let me give you an example. I officially have a new role. What's it called, Dozzy? <laughs> yeah, see? Graphic design and marketing manager. I know. Would you like to know what I know about graphic design and marketing? (laughs) Zip, okay. An opportunity presented itself. Uh, Some things went down, something happened, and Tony just said, you know what, I need this done. And he looked at me and he went, babes, I want you to do it. I was just like, sure. Don't know how to use a computer. Well, I do. I know how to send emails. But most of the time, I sit in my office going, Drew, help! <laughs> Once, I pushed, you know, in your Outlook, and you've got all your little folders for your email, I pushed a button and all my folders disappeared. So I was freaking out, and I think Amrit was in. I'm going, Amrit, Amrit, and he comes in, and I'm going, oh, my things have gone, where have they gone? And I'm abusing the kids, because I'm like, they're playing on my computer, and they've touched something. Every time I come back, it's different. And he goes like this, and I'm like, what'd you do? Like, he was such a hero, and he goes, you just pushed the hide button, Kev. <laughs> okay. So here's the new media, what is it? <laughs> Graphic design and marketing manager. But you know what God said to me? Tony said, I need this done. This is what I need. And he said, I think you can do it. And so I just said, how many times have I stood before you and said, I'm just a girl? He said, yes to God. So Tony gave me a couple of days to think about it. And he came back and he said, I need to let the leaders know on Tuesday because we're just changing things. And we just want to get some, as we're going bigger, we just need to streamline some things. He said, I'm not asking you to design. I'm like, very good. 
which I knew that because he's the he designed, so he, he knew he wouldn't ask me. He just wants me to administrate it. But he gave me a couple of days to think about it, and this is what I felt God say to me. He said, you stood before people before and said how you're just a girl. He said yes to God. He said, this is just a say yes moment. So I'm now the... <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. So, you know what? And uh, the thing is, God, uh, I don't know, God knows, but I've just said, okay, God, this is what I do. And I don't think Tony, he's not doing it to set, to set me up. Please, Jesus, he's not doing it to set me up. <laughs> no, he's not. But you know what I'm saying? For different, I don't, you don't look at someone else and go, well, I could never do that. I'm just saying, you know, this is my opportunity. He thinks I can do it. There's something I can do that can administrate that because the thing is on administration, all right? Just just in case you're panicking now, those leading departments going, what are our flyers going to look like? Don't worry, I'm just administrating, okay? I'm not designing. All right, so you get what I'm saying. There is amazing stuff inside of you. You've just got to let it out. Let's be like Mary. Because you're daring, this is the other thing I learned from Mary, you know what, you're actually very dangerous. Because Mary was daring, she was dangerous. Luke 8, 3 says, these women were helping to support Jesus from out of their own means. Mary used her gifts and talents to support Jesus. So there's a whole group of women that just travelled. I don't know what they did, whether they sold handicrafts, did the crochet, I'm not sure. But whatever they did, they used their gifts, their talents, they made income to support Jesus and the disciples so that they could get the message out. What a dangerous thing to do. Like I said, just the fact that she put herself in a position for... How do you think the rumours got started that she was Jesus' secret wife or secret lover or whatever? They're just some of them. She put herself in a position. But you know that you too can be dangerous if you use your gifts and talents to support Jesus. Godly women complement godly men. Now listen to this. Genesis 2.18, it says, Now the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a suitable helper. Now I know that that applies to marriage directly, but it's not exclusively. I believe that men need the gifts, the talent, the perspective, the observation of women in their world. And so our job is to come alongside And if we come alongside the men in our world and we become that suitable helper, we're dangerous. And the thing is, the enemy knows it. Why do you think he works so hard in keeping us apart? Why do you think there is such a thing as the battle of the sexes? Because he knows the power, the conjoined power, if a man and woman get it right. Yes, it's about marriage, but it's more than that. It's not exclusively about marriage. It's about partnership of men and women working together. I've said it to you before, but in the um, original text, the word suitable helper means Ezer Kenedgo, which Hebrew scholar Robert Alter just translates as being a sustainer beside him. And if you remember, it's, it's only used that Ezer Kenedgo 20 times in the Bible, and those 20 times it's used, it's actually talking about situations of where if God does not come through in this situation, you're as good as dead. And that's what we are. Ezer Kenedgo, sustainers, suitable helpers beside him. In other words, if we don't come alongside the men in our world, they are as good as dead. We're dangerous. Mary was dangerous. You are dangerous. You just need to have the revelation that you can be dangerous. And then asking God, okay, where can I be dangerous? Okay, because there's fire's good in the fireplace, not on the rug. All right. So. 
that's a whole other story about being submissive and, you know, I'm not talking about women going out and going, buddy, look out, because here I am. But I know that you're intelligent and that you're good God girls and you know what I'm saying. So what am I saying? I'm saying get over yourself. Take up your position alongside your husband, your leader, your boss, your dad, your brother, your son, whatever, the men in your world, take your position up alongside and be the suitable helper that God has created you to be and you will be dangerous. All right, and finally, the last thing, this is what I want to leave you with tonight that I just draw, just looking at Mary's life, is that Mary was delighted in. Jesus just, just delighted in Mary. Why do you think that he revealed himself to her first? Oh, lucky guess she just happened to be there. I, there's no such thing as coincidence. It's everything. God says he knows the beginning from the end. End from the beginning, vice versa, whatever. He knew. And it's kind of like when I think of delighted, you, you, think, you know, you, you see a, a mum with a newborn and just that delight in, and that's what God does over his girls. God delights in you. Absolutely delights in you. It's not based on anything you've done. It's all about what Jesus has done for you. And because of what Jesus has done for you and you recognizing that and saying, God, I believe Jesus, he's made a way for me, God delights in you. The Bible says that you are the apple of his eye. In fact, he delights in you so much, he knows every, the number of hairs on your head. You go, how many now? He'll go, one less. <laughs> he knows. See, you know, we, we struggle with that. We go, oh, what is the interest? And he knows. And the Bible talks about how, look at the lilies of the field and the flowers. And we think, we go there and people go, I think it's September, they drive over to Perth and see the beautiful wildflowers. And God's going, that's got nothing on you, girlfriend. The wild look good, but nothing on you. God delights in you. It's all based on what Jesus has done for you. Can I tell you, when I said yes to God, uh, yes to God, when I said yes to Tony, I said, okay, babes, you know what? This is what I feel God say. This is a yes moment. He's like, cool. The very next morning, we're just sitting down having breakfast. And he goes, can I tell you? He said, I'm so glad you said yes. He said, you are going to rock this thing. You are going to... And I mean, he started saying all this stuff. And I was like, I haven't even done anything yet. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't because I might just actually... I might just take away the thought. But you know what I mean? And I just... That's when God said to me, he goes, that's what we're talking about. If The Bible says if you... The scripture is Matthew 7, 11. It says, if you, though you are evil, know how to good to give good gifts, how much more your Father in heaven? If my husband, though evil, and you know what I mean by evil, just in terms of fallen nature, if he knows how to encourage me and delight in me in the fact that I just said yes, he was delighting in me, how much more than him who is evil? How much more than God? I just it was a, it was a living picture right then and there. I'm thinking, I haven't done anything. And he's like, oh, this is so cool. This is going to be so great. You don't understand the pressure this takes off me. You don't understand where we can go from here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, pressure off you. Now it's on me. Because what if I'm... <laughs> no, just kidding. You know, here, how's this? I'm, I'm, I obviously made that comment to him because I went, what if I really blow it? He goes, you know what? He goes, I, I think it's, it's a step in the right direction. If you get into it and we find, oh, what are we doing? And we're insane. He said, at least we know what not to do. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I can be the what not to do girl. So cool. All right, so we just need to start believing it. And I, I just want to encourage you. We right now as a church are doing that identity series. Download it. 
Get on iTunes. You can go on the website. You can download it straight from the website, I think. You can get on iTunes, find a youngie who knows how to do it. They'll do it for you. Get it on your MP3. That message is crucial. Everything we do is based on that. Who, when I know who I am, I'll know what to do. We're living in a genre, we're living in an uh, era where people don't know who they are. They're getting the song about the mirror. They're waiting for the mirror. We, we're waiting for the mirror. We're waiting for the magazine. We're waiting for the television. We're waiting for the boy we've had our eye on. We're waiting for the whatever it is to define us and tell us. It's just like, you know what? We need to get our identity in Jesus and go, well, this is what God says I am and nothing will change that. And I need to believe the fact that he delights in me. As he delighted in Mary, God delights in you. Amen? Amen. If we want our life to be like Mary and shout God's power and glory, then we need to do what Mary did. Mary was delivered. She just said, you know what, God? Take control. Deliverance is to give over control. Say, God, these things that are holding me back, let's give them to God. Let's be devoted. Have a devotion like Mary. Say, God, what can I do for you? You know me. You know the gifts and talents. How can I develop my relationship with you? Be daring. Be dangerous. And above all else, always, always remember that you are delighted in. Amen? Amen. Cool. Thank you. What I want to do tonight, yep, okay, is um, I want to provide an opportunity to pray for you. Uh, we don't always do it. It just depends, and there's no pressure because I, I don't know everybody's situation, but I do know this. We have a dear friend who, keep it together, Kath, <clears throat> who spoke a testimony I think at last year's conference, no, the year before, about just the great work that God has done in her life. And she's here tonight, and she had got some rather devastating news this afternoon. And she told me, and we said, can, you know, can we pray? And what I loved about it, she said, you know what, I wasn't going to come because, you know, she's just trying to process what has been said. And then she thought, you know what, I just need to get around people who are going to just love me and encourage me. And, you know, I was almost in tears just hearing that. So I don't, I don't want to expose her because family are involved and they haven't said anything to the kids yet because they don't really fully know what they're dealing with, okay? But I want to pray for her because I think that's what we do. That's what God's girls do. So you know what, this is one of our sisters who the doctors are saying one thing and the doctors are doing the best with what they know, but we serve a God who can do far more than that. So we want to stand with her and we want to show some uh, grace and love towards her. We also want to show... I'm, just, I'm explaining that a little bit because I just... I want you to be wise because there's nothing worse when you're going through a situation where you need God to come through to have the pity of people. She doesn't want your pity. She wants your prayers. 
She wants you to stand alongside her and say, you know what? God is in control. Whatever, we're going to stand with you and believe. Your kids are in his hands. Your husband's in his hands. You're in his hands. And we're going to stand with you and trust that God's going to move and undertake in your situation. I'm explaining it for you because I don't want things to come out. They're trying to protect their kids at this point in time until they know, not denial, until they know what they're actually really dealing with. I'm telling you, they got results this afternoon. They have to have further tests. Alrighty. But I also want to open up if there's anyone else here who feels that they would like to have prayer. I think Elise will just put some music on. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.